your Locked On Blue Jackets, your daily podcast on the Columbus Blue Jackets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, happy Tuesday, happy Blue Jackets game day. Uh, welcome to Locked On Blue Jackets. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code Locked On, you will get 20% off your next order. Uh, today, I've got more of my conversation with Jack of Locked On Blackhawks, where we look ahead to tonight's game uh, and talk a little bit about. All things Duncan Keith, so uh, I will get right into it. The game that we just lost, the 4-2 game against Nashville, our defence was Seth Jones, Vladislav Gavrikov, which I didn't hate. I think Gavrikov's turning into a very good shutdown defenseman. I think he plays pretty well. He's a good young D-man. Wierenski was out injured. Savard was out due to non-COVID illness. And so that meant our other four defencemen were Michael Del Zotto, uh, Andrew Peake, Scott Harrington, and Gabriel Carlson, which is not a bottom four defense that fills me with a lot of confidence. Yeah. Um, so getting Savard back uh, tomorrow or tonight will probably help. Uh, and um, eventually Wierenski will come back and it will kind of solidify that top four. But I feel like Duncan Keith has kind of had has Duncan Keith had like a regular defense partner since kind of Seabrook dropped? Not really, to be honest, it's been tough. It's been tough for him. He's got, he's seen a lot of different guys when we still had Nicholas Jalmerson. He, he saw a lot of time with him, but I mean, that's been three, four years now. So it's been tough. We want Connor Murphy eventually, I think to get up in that top, that top pairing role with Keith. But when we have so many young guys on defense too, you kind of got to spread it out a little bit. You don't, you don't want two 21 year olds on your third pairing, two rookies. That sounds like a nightmare. And then Nikita Zadorov for us. Oh boy, it's been a roller coaster ride for Big Z. So we got to we got to pair him with somebody. Like it's it's been tough for Keith, especially ever since the Blackhawks have been in that post dynasty era. He really hasn't had a consistent partner. And honestly, credit to Keith because he's still been performing at a high level, even at 36, 37 years of age. He's still leading the Blackhawks in time on ice every night. And most nights he's performing like a top pairing defenseman still. So credit credit to Duncan Keith for many different reasons. Um this year it's it's been it's been a lot of 21 year olds. Uh he's seen time with Adam Boquist who's only 20 and while he's also while he's continuing to perform well on the ice, I'm sure he's also playing a huge factor in developing those guys and getting those guys comfortable too. So it's it's been uh sure it's not ideal for Duncan Keith. You know, he wants to be winning all the time and getting back to playing championship style of hockey, but that's just not the brand we're in right now. Yeah, I think we, we talked about this either at, just after the the six five game or during the second one. Like you forget how old Duncan Keith is because he still looks like he did like in 2015 when he, when he won the Smythe. like the, the dude, 
maybe slow down a little bit, but he was keeping step with some of our faster, faster guys on the ice. Um, and there was a really good athletic article about him. I think Mark Lazarus, uh, who I still follow on Twitter, despite not following the Hawks, I still follow Laz. Um, still follow Laz. He's just, he's a great, he's a great follow. Um, and there was a really good article he did about like how Duncan Keith has kind of gone from being this scary guy that tried to beat Ben Smith up at uh, at camp one year to like <laughs> the fun uncle of the of the Blackhawks baby. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. He got in a scrap with uh, Taze last year too at a practice, which was <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, Blackhawks fans were running wild when they saw that. Oh, I bet. But- ageless wonder i mean 37 years old he's averaging 24 minutes for the blackhawks he's led them in time on ice in each of his 16 years with the team even as a rookie even here as a 37 year old he's still doing it still flying out there and i mean i am surprised but i'm i'm (laughs) there's part of me that's not just because you know the stories about duncan keith's training and him just being a freak of nature with taking in oxygen i mean i've read a couple different stories from I'm not sure if it was the athletic or, or who wrote him, but about Duncan Keith's O2 tests and how it's like Olympic swimmers stuff. Like it's insane. Like the amount of air he's able to take in while still running or still going at full speed is incredible. And I mean, if he's able to keep this up, I don't see why there's no reason he can't play till he's 40. I feel like if, if, if someone came in and watched the Blackhawks for a week for their first time in their life, there's no way in hell they'd guess Duncan Keith is 37 years old. Yeah, no, I I think I've re- I've read kind of similar stories where they were like, okay, so the average score for this test for like a hockey player his age was like 4.0, and he just blew through that, kept going, and got up into like the sixes or the sevens. Like it is, the guy's just superhuman. Like it's. I don't necessarily agree with a lot of his, like, on-ice temper. I think he takes a lot of stupid penalties. I think he (laughs) he loses his his temper. He's a hothead, 100%. But he's he's so much fun to watch. Like, when he's on his game and when he's being offensive and, like, he's just so much fun. Like, I can't imagine the Blackhawks without him. No, it's going to be weird when when he finally does, I mean, he, he might, he might, you know, do a Joe Thornton or a Patrick Marlowe and just play like until he's 40 something. Yeah. But... He's not all that offensive anymore, which kind of stinks. I mean, you can't expect him to be racking up 60, 50 points like he used to, but he still does play a crucial role for this Blackhawks team by creating offense from the defensive zone. Breakout passes are still good. We're starting to give some of our younger defensemen time on the power play, but he, he's still seen time on the power play. He can still make those great passes. He's not even close to the goal scorer he used to be. He's only got 11 goals in the last four years, I believe. But for con- considering how long he's played, all the mileage he has on his tires, I mean, I'm pretty sure he averaged 31 minutes in a postseason once. Yeah, that, honestly, that wouldn't that wouldn't. He did. Me. He's done it twice. He's done it twice. 2014-15, he averaged 31.07. In 2015-16, he averaged 31.28. 
That's unbelievable. Yeah, like I still remember, I think I think it was the 2014 playoffs. It was the first round against St. Louis and it was it was the game 6 and he I still remember watching that game and like he that was the best game I've ever seen from Duncan Keith. I think I think he had three assists. Yeah, he made the pass to Taser. He made the pass to Taser for the breakaway for the win. Yeah, just just insane. Like good, I've never seen memory. a defenseman play play like that before. And if like in you know fifteen years time we're talking about Seth Jones like this, then I don't I don't see how that's a bad thing. Like I feel like defensemen should aspire to be like guys like Duncan Keith. I think that is kind of the the pinnacle of of uh, defense in the NHL like right and it, it's cool hearing a lot of these guys in the last couple drafts coming up and saying they they idolized their game after Duncan Keith because he was really that first kind of defenseman the eras were changing he was right there the style kind of left from being rugged everyone wanted big defensemen 6'3 six, 6'4 six, and he changed the style. He's not a big guy, 6'1", always been buck 80, buck 90. Not the typical minute eater, top pairing defenseman that uh, teams wanted when he first came in the league, but he really changed the style into a guy who's quick on his feet and can move, make quick passes, is really good with his stick. He's not going to dominate you. He's not a big guy, but he's going to work harder than you. He's going to he's going to have better endurance than you and his his stick play was better than anyone I've ever seen in the NHL honestly. The way he was able to use his stick to deflect shots and just absolutely ruin the opposition's hopes of creating anything in the offensive zone. It, it was magical. He's still really good at it, but not the level he was uh obviously back in in those con uh the Con Smythe and Norris Trophy years. Yeah, I I always remember being surprised by like how short his hockey stick is because, you know, I always feel like defensemen, you want that long stick so you can, you know, poke check or whatever. But he, long reach. His hockey stick is probably shorter than average. And he needed that to he needed the quick stick. He didn't want to have the long reach. He wanted to be able to maneuver it. Um and honestly, I I kind of I'm sure most people who have some hockey experience can, can feel that sense. I'm kind of a guy when I play hockey, I, I just feel weird using a long stick because I can't just move it as fast as I want. I like the reach aspect of it, but I think having a quick stick, especially for the style that he played was the way he had to go with. Oh yeah, definitely. And I mean, like, you know, like you say, 50, 60 points, Norris trophy winner, Conn Smythe winner, like it's, it's an impressive resume for, for a guy who, you know, like you say, 190 pounds soaking wet. Definitely. Like, right. What a journey it's been. Yeah, it has been it has been fun to watch. And he I always like I feel like we're spending a lot of time talking about Duncan Keith here, but I I'm okay with that. Um <laughs> he's lived through some tough times for the Blackhawks as well. Like he joined in what he was drafted in 2002, 2003. Mm-hmm. And so I he believe was, it was 2002. He was that era of Blackhawks that were like going into bars and trying to give tickets away, mm-hmm. you know. So oh. it's it's just I I would be really interested in like a a history of Duncan Keith's career with the Blackhawks. Like I would read an entire book about you know from two thousand three all the way through. That would be a cool documentary if they could 
get some like old vintage footage of the United Center having like 6,000 people in it. Right. Coming up in just a minute, we've got more of my conversation with Jack, but first I've got to tell you about rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models of cars, it's basically impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why would you endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry? You've got to go home and wait for the part to be delivered. You've got to go back. You've got to pay them to fit it as well. Uh, when at home, you've got computers that have got access to rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business that's been serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. If you can put it on or in your car or truck, rockauto.com has it. Their catalog is unique, super easy to navigate. You can super quickly see all the parts available for your car and choose the brand, specification, and prices you prefer. Best of all, those prices are always reliably low, and they're the same if you are a professional or a do-it-yourselfer. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? You can go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in that how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Betting on the NHL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks and quick-hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe to the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get podcasts. So, Jay, what do you, for this upcoming series, I I know that, I, I feel like it's kind of the similar story we talked about on the last crossover I feel like Columbus just can't get in a groove. Like every time there's no winning streaks from this team right now. What do you think Columbus has to do to kind of get over that tough loss to Nashville and rattle off a couple? Because it seems like every series you guys are splitting and while, yeah, you're coming away with points. The central division is a dogfight right now. And Columbus finds themselves on the outside looking in at the moment. And we're starting to get to, the crucial point of the season, only 56 games. We played what 18, 19, right around there. What do you think has been the biggest problem for the blue jackets being unable to rattle off a couple in a row? And what do you think they have to do in order to come away with a pair at home here against the Blackhawks? Oh man. I mean, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? Like, I don't know that we've had a winning streak longer than two games so far this season, which is a problem now that we're, you know, what a third of the way, a third of the way through, I would have liked to see, you know, a couple of three or four game winning streaks at the at the very least. Um, again, I think it's just inconsistency and uh, the, like, the Dubois situation I don't think helped. Like, you could see the team felt a little bit better after, after that trade. Um, but then it's kind of dipped again as guys have been injured, guys have been moved around the lineup. You know, Max Domi, who was going to be our one cent, number one center after the Dubois trade, he's on the fourth line wing <laughs> right now um, because you know we're trying to get him going, and it's no one, no one really kind of knows what they're going to be doing game to game, uh, which I think is stopping guys from getting into a rhythm. It's stopping guys from kind of making a routine stick. Uh, if you don't know who you're going to be playing with on any given night, like how do you, how do you prepare with that? And yeah, def- I think that's that's part of it. Um, I I think getting Wierenski back will help. Um, hopefully, Corpusalo kind of finds his game again. He's not been 
He's been fine. Um, I don't think he's been as bad as the numbers suggest, but he was in net for the 7-3 game, the 6-5 game, and then a 6-4 loss uh, against Carolina, like three games before that. Um, so that's kind of tanked his numbers a little bit. And I don't think he's been that bad, but he's he's been only okay uh, the past kind of couple of weeks or so, uh, which is not kind of what you expect from the Jonas Corpusala that we've seen mm-hmm. at the start of this season and last season. So hopefully he can kind of find his way again. Um, if we could just kind of, I hate doing the like, the stock typical like hockey hockey thing but like if we can just like grind out a really kind of a 2-1 a, like a dirty 2-1 win I think if we can just kind of get one or two ugly wins under our belt I think like that'll go a long way towards kind of this team finding its identity again because this is not a team that is super skilled this is not a team that is going to you know we don't have a Conor McDavid to go out and score four points every night you know we don't have a guy like Patrick Kane who is you know a game changer even now when he's you know the wrong side of 30 we don't have a guy like that Liney can be a guy like that I think but he I think he's still finding his groove uh so yeah I think just kind of finding our way and just kind of stop like trying not to be uh cute as uh mm-hmm. as, as they they always say oh you know we don't want to be cute we want to we want to work hard and i think we need kind of a couple of ugly ugly wins to reset i guess is the is the best the best word for it probably yeah that sounds kind of like a good mindset for columbus as you said a team that's not going to wow you when you look at their roster with skill, but a team that's definitely gotten the job done in the past couple of years by doing just that, by grinding it out and working harder than other teams. Um, one other area I noticed the Blue Jackets have kind of struggled in really is special teams. They're in the bottom third on both the power play and the penalty kill. And again, when you don't have a team that's going to, then you don't have that game changer per se. You need, to, you need to play well on special teams, and I'm sure that probably has also factored into the Jackets' inconsistency this season so far. Oh, 100%. Uh, it, more so the penalty kill. Um, our penalty kill has always kind of been, like, that's the thing about Columbus, is that our penalty kill was exceptional the past few seasons. Uh, and the fact that, for some reason, it's fallen off a cliff is is really hurting us. Um Power play has been awful for years. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if we talked about this on our last crossover episode, but I'm pretty sure the power play is haunted by like the ghost of Sam Garnier uh, because the power play hasn't been good since he was on it in like 2016. So that's less of a concern for me um, just because like if we get a power play goal in a game, I'm thrilled. Like it's 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 an exciting thing still, but the penalty kill. I'm like I'm used to having more faith in the penalty kill than I am with the power play. Like if we if we draw a penalty, I'm like oh god, do we have to do this? If we take a penalty, I used to feel a lot more confident than I do right now. Um, we have four shorthanded goals on the season, so that's not not terrible. Um, but yeah, if the penalty kill can kind of settle down and get back to 
being able to kill penalties, then then that will that will probably help help a lot because we tend to take. I feel like we take a lot of penalties. Um, I haven't actually looked up the stats on like penalty differential or whatever, but I feel like we take more penalties than we than we draw. So if we could m- maybe stop taking penalties at all, that would be great. But if we have to take penalties, then it would be nice if we could kill them. Definitely. And to put that to the Blackhawks, I think that's been, besides Lankinen, I think the special teams has been the one of the biggest factors in this team having success so far this season because the power play has been unbelievable, which doesn't make sense. We don't have Taze. We don't have Doc. Somehow this year the power play is good. And not only is it the top units going, our second unit right now is without a doubt looking better than, than our first unit. So that's when, when you're getting a goal per game, that's basically what the Blackhawks are getting right now out of their power play. That goes a long way, especially when you're getting good goaltending. And then on the penalty kill, when you're able to not allow the opposition to get momentum from a power play goal, that's, that's huge. And our goaltenders playing like our best penalty killer right now, he's, he's really helping the cause. So I think special teams, obviously it's another hockey phrase, but for the Blackhawks, especially, and I'm sure for the Blue Jackets too, I, I feel like we're two rosters where we need to, we need to be good on special teams in order to be in that playoff conversation here in 2021. Yeah, it's it's one of those things every, every season. Like, what do you need to make the playoffs? You need good goaltending. You need a good number one center. Mm-hmm. You need good special teams. Like those are those are like the three things I think. And unfortunately, Colum- uh, Columbus doesn't really have any of those right now. I think we have the potential uh, to have very good goaltending if Corpsalo can, you know, get back to the level that I have started to expect of Corpsalo. Uh, if we can get Max Domi going or if, you know, Alexander Texier uh, finds his way back to that top line center. Um, And yeah, if we can stop bleeding power play goals, then it would, it would be a very different, a very different team this season. But at this point, and I, I talked about this on yesterday's podcast a little bit, actually, at this point in the season, I feel like the inconsistent play is a feature, not a bug. Like, it's not an easy fix. It's not something that we can, like, really grit our way out of. It's something is wrong with the team in general, and I don't know what that is. I don't know how you would fix that. I don't know whether it's coaching or, like, players uh, not playing how they should, or I don't know. I don't know what it is. I can't. I can't put my finger on it, but something needs to change in terms of the the on ice product whether that's you know calling some players up from cleveland or whether that's uh a coaching change or what i don't know but i'm kind of getting to that point where something's got to give for columbus right and it's tough because it hasn't been a horrible start for the Blue Jackets, eight, seven, and four through their first 19 games. But with how strong the Central Division's been so far, Carolina's only played 16 games. They're up top. Florida's in second with only 16 games. Tampa Bay's in fourth with 15. Dallas is right, right behind with uh, they've only played 12 games so far. So 
it's kind of that that make or break sort of time for our two teams because we have some some games up on uh, the op- the opposing teams here in the Central Division, and I feel like for Columbus, I just don't. I just feel like it has all the changes this year. It's so hard when there's so much going on off the ice to come in and shut that all out and go in and play a perfect 60 minute hockey game, you know, especially when your coach has been talked about a lot. He's mixing and matching every night. Guys are getting jumbled up and down the lineup. It just, it just feels like a really tough year for Columbus Jay. Yeah. And I think partially it's like you say, it's not been a terrible, a terrible start, but when you look at the fact that every single game is a four point game, first of all, like that's, that's that's you know that's tough to um every game means more yeah exactly you can't like go out and half ass a game against like anaheim for example because mm-hmm. you know like a, a columbus versus anaheim like last year columbus versus chicago basically meaningless right but when we face tomorrow or tonight whatever um it's a case of um well you're two points ahead of us in the standings you know so that we can either draw even or we can be four points behind um, that's a huge swing yeah exactly like it's every game can make or break a team like the player i haven't looked at the playoff implications uh in a while uh micah blake mccurdy or ineffective math on twitter does them they're pretty good uh and it's a case of you know some games can influence the playoff swing by as much as five or ten percentage points which mm-hmm is huge um it's funny that you brought that up though because the blackhawks last game they were just showing i saw one of those graphics on twitter i forget the account you said the name was but they showed that for carolina if carolina lost their playoff percentage only dropped one percent but if the blackhawks lost that game on friday night their playoff chances dropped like 10 percent, which is crazy to think about in the 19th game here of the regular season but Every game is so crucial when you're playing against your division, especially when you're down below in the standings and you're trying to make up some ground. Yeah, I think there's, isn't it like the Thanksgiving week? Like if if, was, if this was a normal season and, you know, we'd started in October and we we're going to go through to April, I'm pretty sure that by American Thanksgiving in November, if you're not in the playoffs, if you're not in a playoff spot by then, it's like, there's a 2% chance that you make the playoffs at the end of the wow. season. Wow. Um, it's like, yeah, it's, it's a crazy, a crazy stat like that. Like if you're, I think it's, if you're four points out of playoff position, then your chances of making the playoffs are basically not, not going to happen by Thanksgiving weekend. And I think that's all kind of accelerated and um, kind of exacerbated by the fact that we're playing the same seven teams. There are no meaningless games. So none at all. And I can't, it's only going to get crazier. Like imagine once we're up to in, in the forties and in the final games of the regular season, they're going to be intense, especially when it's like the sixth and seventh meetings between these teams. Coming up in just a minute, I've got the end of my conversation with Jack, but first I've got to tell you about betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing, and the MLB is starting up soon as well, so if you want to bet on baseball, then now is your chance. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. They've got real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. 
So if you want to bet on whether the Blue Jackets are going to win tonight's game, you can do that. If you want to bet on what's going to happen in RuPaul's Drag Race this week, you can do that too. Uh, bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Uh, use promo code Locked On. Go to BetOnline.ag to do that. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. February is Black History Month, and the Locked On Podcast Network is honouring the challenges and success of black men and women in sports with a new series called Locked On Presents More Than the Game. Right now, you can hear Candice Cooper of Locked On Tar Heels and Eric Ayala of Locked On Women's Basketball discuss the opportunities and challenges that come with being a black woman in sports. Subscribe to the Locked On Presents podcast feed on the radio.com app or wherever you get podcasts. I think, I don't know that it's going to be a case of um, early playoff berths either. I think we're going to we're not going to see what the final uh, 16 playoff teams are until maybe until the the end of the regular season, like that very last day, I think there's still going to be teams that are gutting it out just because each game is so monumental. Like, yeah. And sounds like a pretty important pair of games we got coming up this week. Yeah. This kind of feels, especially with the way Tortorella is talking about it, this feels like a make-or-break mini-series for us. Like, if we win these games, I feel like we can probably kind of push through. Um, mm-hmm. If we lose these games, I think um, I think it's, it's the end of our playoff streak, um, which is what I wanted to talk about earlier. Um, the fact is, like, Columbus has created an expectation for itself where we talked about kind of the opposite of this the last time uh, we spoke, where Chicago's playing with house money at this point. They, they, people expected nothing from them this season. Columbus has reached a point where we've been good enough for long enough that us performing badly is now surprising. Like when I started following the team in 2014, we were terrible. No one expected anything of us. So when we made the playoffs in... 2016 it was everyone was like oh my god this is incredible and now kind of four or five seasons later if we don't make the playoffs everyone's you know the sky is falling right there's always um two sides to every story when you when you become a good team then your fans start expecting more they start getting a little spoiled I know I'm guilty of that with the Blackhawks after 2010 to 2015 and then when you're bad everything's a surprise you really have nothing to lose so obviously you want to be a team that's consistently good and you want to have those high expectations but there are you know it, it is tough to always live up to that year in and year out especially in a year like this yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that's not to talk about Toronto if I don't have to, but <laughs> Toronto has been, you know, pretty good for a couple of seasons now. And every time they have a bad game, the again, the sky is falling, you know, trade Austin Matthews, trade Mitch Marner, fire Keith. Like it's hockey fans are prone to melodrama and over-exaggeration. And I feel like Columbus has kind of lulled us into a sense of expecting expecting very good things out of a team that on paper is not not what you'd expect for kind of 
like we're expected to make the playoffs basically every season now mm-hmm. i feel like and if you looked at the roster you wouldn't be like oh yeah these are this is a playoff team like straight off the bat so it is what it is um if we miss the playoffs i will be disappointed i won't be surprised um but in a season like this a shortened season it's it is what it is um you know wrap it up start again next season potentially with a new coach and see where we go from there last question that'll be the last question i had um what is john tortorella's future oh man is this it for him is this it like for in columbus i mean obviously I I think so. I think I don't know that he is with us next season. Um, like with with Columbus, I think you know it's not like oh you know John Torrell is going to die at the end of this season. Um, <laughs> but no, I I actually again I talked about this on yesterday's uh, or Sunday's podcast a little bit. Um, I don't think I don't know if we fire him if this season gets real bad. I think the most likely scenario for us is we get to the end of the season and he either retires, which um, a couple of the guys that kind of are around the team, Jody Shelley's been talking about this a little bit, uh, Aaron Portsline for the Athletics been talking about this a little bit. They think Tortorella wants to kind of retire and go to, like he's got a ranch in the country where he has like horses and rescue dogs and stuff. And I think the long gap between kind of like the the gap between the end of last regular season and the playoff bubble and then the gap between the playoff bubble and this season I think kind of gave him like made him realize that maybe he doesn't want to be a coach anymore I think he wants to retire um so I I would be very surprised if we renew his contract I think what I think what will happen is he will finish this year out with us and then we won't renew him um, I don't think it'll be a case of firing. I think it'll be very mutual of he wants to retire and we're kind of ready for a new coach. Mm-hmm. Sounds like Torts is literally going to ride off into the sunset. Oh, li- yeah, literally. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, like good for him. It's what he deserves. I think he's been really good for us. Uh, he's kind of made a team out of nothing. Um, but I think we as a team i think we have outgrown him um and we've outgrown his coaching style i think he's laid some really good foundations for the team uh i don't know that we would be uh, this good a team if we didn't have him but i think we this team needs a different coach now whether that be you know uh gerard gallant like i talked about uh the other day or brad shaw is another option that i think they're probably looking at you know i don't know who it's going to be but i think this team needs someone that is not Tortorella to to lead them. Yeah, I feel like you guys have have just peaked in your John Tortorella era already. I feel like the ceiling's already kind of been met. Yeah, we are we are as good as we're going to be under Tortorella, I think. But I don't think we're as good as we can be. Full stop. I think a, I think a different coach with a different style can get more out of, especially as the team gets younger. Like Tortorella is good with you know your Brandon Dubinsky type players. Um, I don't know how good he is with kind of uh, Patrick Line type players or um, like some of the kids coming in, like Liam Foodie. I don't know how good Tortorella is 
with players like that. Yeah, he doesn't seem like a a coach that's going to be all for the rebuild and is uh is a young guys young guys guy behind the bench really. I mean, we, yeah. we've seen uh we've seen kind of the the problems he's had with young skilled players before. Yeah, and I think they I think there's probably some exaggeration there. I don't think it's nearly as bad as um as bad as people say it is. I think Tortorella is happy to play the villain as well. Um I think he he doesn't like he's he's old he's got his Stanley Cup you know he's got respect in this league I don't think he cares what the media has to say about him I think he's happy for them to kind of say what they want but yeah I do think this team can be better with not even a younger coach just a different a different coach um I would love if we brought someone from Europe over um you know just again not one of the same thirty five. Canadian and North American white men that get rotated around in this league. Right. Someone new. That's, that's what I would like. Bring, bring something into the mix. And I think that would also help change the culture and hockey as well as a whole. Yeah, exactly. So if people want to uh, learn a little bit more about the Blackhawks or follow along with what you're doing, uh, where can they find you? Yeah. So, if you want to listen in to or just get tweets on the Blackhawks through this two-game series, you can check out the Locked On Blackhawks podcast anywhere you get podcasts, or you can find my Twitter account at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks. My personal account on Twitter is at Jack Bushman, too. I'll be tweeting Blackhawks stuff throughout the week. So if you want to tune in to some Blackhawks coverage, that's where you can find me. That's all the time I've got for today. Uh, Tomorrow we will break down tonight's game and hopefully we'll have a little bit of injury news to uh, talk about as well. And hopefully it will be good injury news. Uh, If you would like to follow me on Twitter, I am at JTheGoalie. If you would like to follow this podcast, we are at LO underscore Bluejackets. If you have comments, questions, criticisms, you can email me at LockedOnBlueJackets at gmail.com. And I will be back with you tomorrow.